What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. What's up, guys? We're going to podcast. My name is Solomon Ali, at Solomon Ali NBA on Twitter. Here joined by Kelly Eco of The Athletic. We are in an undisclosed location here in Las Vegas. We've been here for a few days. I'm tired of this hellhole. You're going you're gonna to leave in like an hour. How you feeling, man? I'm Vegas out. Yeah. <laughs> Every year they talk about, you know, after a couple of days, you know, you get tired of Vegas and you want to go home. Yeah, no kidding. And this year was... I felt that more than anything. I'm just ready to get out of here and go back to Houston. And it dragged this year, man. Especially because like they took all the star prospects out of Summer League. There was no point in Summer League if you can't see the star prospects. Like, How do you feel about that? Does that bother you a little bit? Because like, I know the teams are doing their, in their best interest. They want to protect their guys. I get it. But at, at the same time, if you're a fan, if you came here from Los Angeles, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, whatever... If you came, if you came to travel here just to see your you know your favorite star prospects, if you came to see Zion, this is a little annoying. Yeah, and uh, I know a lot of guys were disappointed when Zion was shut down. You know, considering they did sell out the first two days of summer league, everybody wanted to come and watch him play. Coaches, oh my god! I was talking to coaches and GMs. They wanted to. They came to see him play too, and they only got a a, a small taste of it. Yeah. Um. But what can you do? I mean. You have to think about it from the team's perspective. It's a $40, 50000000 million investment. You know, they, they have to keep secure and safe. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it sucks, but it happens. You'll see them in the season, in preseason. Yeah, the amount of media here was, like, insane. Like, they had 1,500 credentialed media here. Yeah. Yeah, and, and like some people you never heard of. I think they credentialed, like, five. I don't, I, I, I'm not sure what this number is. Like, 50. Japanese media for Rory Hashimori, like <laughs> He's a it, superstar over there. It was insane, like like just the amount of like hype around this. I have never seen it this big. Like before, this thing was like a a shoestring operation, like and like ran by Warren Legary, and I don't think it was even Vegas. I think it was in Utah or something, like some desolate location. Now it's like the biggest thing. Now everybody knows this is the place to be. And and speaking of Legary, he was walking around every day talking to everybody and anyone yeah. that moved this is his this is his brainchild and it's it's a pleasure to see how it's grown yeah from you know when when they had it in, in the olden days and to what it's become now it's like a super big deal in the NBA and uh hats off to him for real I've I've never seen somebody enjoy their job more than Warren Lecare. That guy <laughs> has like an endless amount of energy at like age sixty or some crap like that. That guy's like been doing this for like forty plus years, and he still like has that much energy to accommodate everybody that came. Yeah, it was it was, it was pretty funny seeing um, during one of the Rockets games. He's over um, talking to Mike D'Antoni and and laughing and everything. And then a couple seats down, you see. You know, Daryl Morey in the front office, you know, they still haven't gone to deal yet. We got to talk about this, yes. It was pretty funny just seeing the, the whole, the optics of that. It was, it was hilarious. I'm going to make a prediction here. 
So these guys have been basically forced to be in one building together for like the past few days. Yeah, like around three days. I have a feeling that these guys will hammer out a deal within the next month or two. Like, there's no way. Like, we know how this works. When you're around these guys, you're talking about deals. Even though you're not technically in the negotiation phase, you're always talking about deals. I have a feeling that a deal will get hammered out within a month or two. I I just have a feeling that an extension for Mike D'Antoni will get finished pretty soon because these guys have been together for a long time. And I have a feeling that, you know... The, fa- the the re- the fact that they're forced to be in one building together makes me think that they've been talking about extensions and it makes me think that one's going to get done soon. Yeah, you know, late July is always the time when you start thinking of your mini vacation or trying to gear up for a training camp. And this year, you know, with the whole negotiations and how it got awkward at one point, I think it was the best thing for all of them to be in the same room. You're right. Um, even though... You know, there are other things to talk about, like the team and the future of the team. But at some point, you are going to – you have to – I mean, if Legarius there, you, you're good. It's going to be brought up. Right. Like, And, and the tension is much it's, – it's more dissolved now because you guys have seen each other. Like, before, these guys had to fly to Virginia to talk to Mike. Now Mike's in the same building with you. He's like a couple of seats over from Daryl every game. And I, I highly doubt that negotiations weren't – like at least talks of an extension it were at least brought up and that that helps that helps smooth things along um so let's go ahead and talk about the rockets this summer so Phew. we started out with this insane jimmy butler pursuit and i say insane that it really came out of nowhere like we knew the rockets were interested in jimmy butler the trade deadline they put in four first round picks to try to acquire him mid-season but this this idea that they would try this year without any cap space they would try to offload guys like Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, just so they can pull off this insane signing trade scenario. They had deals lined up, ready to go at the minute if if Jimmy Butler agreed. Like, it got pretty crazy here for a second. Yeah, um, I remember talking to somebody in the front office um, a couple months ago. And, you know, we are just talking and then the, the, the topic of Jimmy Butler came up. Right. And, you know, I was told that... <clears throat> They had planned to be as, if not more, aggressive. And you saw that in the offseason thus far where they had all these deals lined up. Right. They were calling all these teams, trying to see if we can make A, B, and C, you know, work. And, you know, even though it didn't pan out, they were on the front foot. They were ready to go. And all they needed was the okay. Yeah. All they needed was Jimmy Butler saying, you know, he wanted to come. But, you know, Jimmy always had his – mindset on Miami or Los Angeles. You know, it's right. been like that for years since he was with Chicago because, you know, he's from Tomball and people from the area used to ask him all the time, like, could you ever see yourself playing for Houston? <clears throat> and he always maintained that that focus of Miami, LA, those kind of nice warm water places. Well not warm water, but those kind of nice environments. And he's a he's a real person that is kind of selfless in itself. How he thinks about his, his friends and family and where they would want to live, and you're seeing now he opted for South Beach. Yeah, and let's be honest here, like we know how this goes. It's kind of a pain in the ass to play at home. Like I, you see these guys before games, they're they're holding these tickets, they're counting up for their family members that oh, can I get tickets? Can I get tickets? Can I get tickets? And they're all asking these guys for tickets to games. Like a Daniel House in particular, like I always see that guy with tickets at his locker room, like ready to go because he's from Houston. He has family family here that wants to be at the game, so. 
I get it. I understand why he doesn't want to play here. I, I get it. Like a lot of Rockets fans have been killing Butler because he chose a team that, let's be frank, is not ready to contend this year. Uh, even if they make some moves, I don't think that they're going to be a serious contender. But at the same time, like, how can you blame a guy for wanting to work in Miami? Like, 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 how is that something to fault somebody for? If you had a nice job lined up in Miami, where even if you aren't like fully fulfilled as far as a contendership goes, like. If you have a nice job lined up in Miami, like I don't know who wouldn't take that. Yeah, it's always easy, you know, in this day and age and NBA Twitter and stuff. It's always easy to bash a player for right. a decision, but you guys make smaller scale decisions like that every day. You know, right. you aren't always faced with a hundred forty million dollar job in a prime destination. Right. So I think you should always evaluate players deals from a human perspective as well as the basketball side because they are human beings and basketball isn't their, isn't their only you know thing in life right and um as far as the rocket side of things i, w- I want to ask a question to you because it's a question that's been debated for a while here um was this pursuit worth it because i maintain that if you have a chance to get a top 15 player in the nba of course it's worth it like you do everything you can to get that player, and the Rockets are so close, they can smell it. If you can get Jimmy Butler in a Rockets uniform, I think it's worth it, and you can, and you do everything at all costs to get that kind of a player. But there are there is the other argument, right, where these guys' names were brought up in trade discussions. Eric Gordon, Clint Capella, P.J. Tucker, all these guys were brought up in serious trade negotiations. And there is the chemistry locker room side of things. Now, what's interesting is. We're talking a day after Jonathan Fagan released a piece about Eric Gordon uh, talking about this particular subject, and he said that he didn't care, right? Like he 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 talked about how he didn't really mind that his na- name was brought up in discussions. It was actually kind of nice that he was wanted by other teams. I maintain that these guys are professionals, and I I don't think these guys are hurt as much as the general public seems to to feel about being in trade discussions. Like they know they know how this works. They know it's a business. Yeah, and they're veterans. They've been there. They've done that. You know especially people like Eric Gordon, whose name seemingly comes up in a rumor every time there's a trade window or anything. For and, his entire career. Yeah. So I, he's used to that. You know, we saw <clears throat> what uh, Tuck said at the NBA Awards. Right. Where he's kind of acknowledging that, yeah, this is what Daryl Moore does. He has to be aggressive. He wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't. Right. And I think the only guy that you could theoretically worry about as far as being affected, would be Clint because he's the youngest. Mm-hmm. You saw what happened with the Lakers, how the young guys felt after um, they were seemingly thrown to the fishes you know, for Anthony Davis. And that didn't work out um, back then. So I think you kind of have to recalibrate that if you're compl- uh, Clint Capella, you know, because you are, what, 25, 26. You wrote something about this, right? Yeah. You are, yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> how does Clint feel about being in trade discussions? I mean... It is what it is. There, there's a sense that he kind of felt um, almost like the scapegoat, right, for the Rockets' second round exit, and it's not entirely fair to put it on him because, at the end of the day, you know you do have all star players, you do have veterans. You know, the the brunt of the blame falls on them, and I think he kind of felt overwhelmed. Like, every, everybody was just blaming him because it, it is the easiest thing to blame, the youngest guy. And he didn't have a great series. <clears throat> yeah, and he didn't play particularly well either. Right. Um, So, 
it was a bit of pressure like that from that perspective. But I just think had they lost in Game Seven, it wouldn't be like this. Like if they had won at home and lost in Game Seven, and, and I think that is a real black mark, right? Like they were they were in Houston without Kevin Durant. Yeah. And um, you felt like they had to win that game. They had, yeah, and yeah. they were close down the stretch. Steph had a really bad first half. Um, and you felt like if there was a game that the Rockets left on the table, it was definitely game six. You wrote a detail in there about, about in that Clint Capella column. Uh, they, about like Rockets fans keyed up his car. And well, like, well, I didn't say it was Rockets fans, but yeah, he, I don't know. I don't, I, I don't it's a sensitive subject for sure. Um, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure, you know, they've handled it themselves but i i was just giving going the angle of he had a pretty rough start to the right season yeah. and people should kind of it's just take basketball it, take it, yeah it's just basketball they should take right. everything with a grain of salt you know as when it comes to throwing insults at people and you know because they have lives and right they go through stuff every day so yeah, yeah. it's it it rough He's had a rough couple of months. I think he'll be fine. I, th- I think he'll recover. He's a, he's a smart guy, and, and he's got a hell of a motor on him. So I, I think he'll be fine as far as the regular season concerns. Let's talk about what the Rockets did do, the deals they made. Let's talk about Austin Rivers first. Two years, minimum deal. The second year is not, is a player option. I was really surprised that he took this kind of a deal. I was certain this guy was going to get at least $5 million a year. The taxpayer mid-level exception at least somewhere. The fact that this guy chose to return to Houston on a minimum deal shows that, man, he really liked it here. Like, he really wanted to be here. And he talked about this a little bit in 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 the season. Like, he likes playing for this team like they do what he likes to do as a as a basketball player and he fits particularly well coming off the bench yeah um austin is a kind is a guy that's super honest with himself um and he always maintained this the stance that this is where i wanted to play for a long time he wants a lot of players like playing for dan tony he gives him that freedom that confidence in yourself and yeah, he said he this was the happiest he's been. You know, he has really close relationships with everyone on the team, um, Shumpert, all those other guys. And this was a place that he could call home. You know, he's also having to raise his his new son. And for someone like that, you want to be playing for <clears throat> a good team. A team will always come and give you, you know, five point seven million or. Something like that, but money if, will come and go. If you, if you want to win, and you want to maximize your opportunity, your window, you there's a window in your career where you chase that. You know, when when, when in your your late thirties, you're thirty two, thirty three, then you can start worrying about money and stuff on your way out. But right now, twenty six, twenty seven, you want to win. Yeah, and I I fully understand why he took that deal with Houston. You know, it's team friendly. It helps the team, and it helps him as well because. He did have a good season. He he showed his two-way capabilities. You know, he's, he improved his shot, his three-point shot a little bit. And he just brought that tenacity that the Rockets have been lacking for a while since Patrick Beverly left. So I just think it, it was a good deal. And look for him to keep going next season. Yeah, and he's made a fair bit of money in his career already. Like, I think he's made, like, around $45 million in career earnings. Like, he, this guy is has not been short of pennies uh, so far. And so... It, it, I guess it's not that much of a surprise. I just 
was for sure that the Rockets would lose either one of Austin Rivers or Daniel House. And I just figured the Rockets have a need at wing. So I, I Austin Rivers was going to be the guy to go. So this, this really took me aback. Another thing that took me aback was Daniel House's contract itself because I wasn't sure what his market was. Like through all year, I was I was grappling with this. I was debating it. I asked several people about it. I wasn't sure what kind of money he would get on the open market because of the weird situation he was all year. Like he went back and forth from G, from the G League to you know the the Rockets because of his expirings. Like well, he had expiring NBA days on his contract, and he had to go back to the G League. Then the Rockets finally got a deal done after a couple months, and he came back to the team. So I really it was kind of a weird situation. Like I really wasn't sure what kind of money he would demand. And sure enough, he demanded an $11 million deal over three years, uh, fairly team-friendly, and I, that, that's, that's a hell of a contract. That's a hell of a contract for Houston to get. Um, for, they dipped into their mid-level exception a little bit. I'm not sure if they're planning to use their full mid-level exception or keep um, their taxpayer mid-level exception. If they do use their full mid-level exception, they will be hard-capped, uh, and they'll be able to use their, their BAE, their biannual exception. So... It's going to be interesting to see what kind of road the Rockets go down as far as their exceptions go. I I have a feeling that they're going to use their taxpayer mid-level exception, use the rest of that money on someone they find mid-season because it, de- it doesn't look like they're going to find someone on the open market unless you're, you you think they're going to go after somebody because I don't... Looking at the players that are left on the free agent market, I don't think there's someone left that's worth a significant money. Yeah, um, to your point about that, I know... They have been trying. Um, we saw the report about Tyson Chandler. We saw that from ESPN. Right. Um, but that could be that's a, that's a minimum deal. It's not really significant money. I know they've been trying to use um, Iman Shumpert's contract in signing trade scenarios mm-hmm. um, for Iguodala. But uh, you know, Memphis is kind of holding out on what they want. I think they want like a first round pick, and they're not going to get that. From teams that want Iguodala, so he's thirty six, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that, that's that's a tough ask. Yeah, um, I can see why they would ask for it because he is, you know, a key piece on a on a contender coming off the Warriors five year stint. But he is thirty six, and you don't know where his head is at right now mentally. Does he want to go back to the Warriors? Does he want to retire? Um, he is in the midst of a, a book a book tour. Um, so I think Houston is in a in a, in a stance where they have to see what that potential Shumpert contract can get them. You know, if he's not going to be a Rocket next season, what can you use that to go and bring? I've seen some stuff on Twitter, um, people talking about Kevin Love and all that stuff, but I don't think that's pretty viable. I think getting a, another wing, some depth for Tucker, and a backup big is their – biggest concern especially now with Hardenstein potentially out for a while with his ankle injury right yeah that, that, that was rough that was rough let's backtrack a little bit and then we'll come back to Hardenstein I want to talk about Iman Shumpert because I don't know what the hell is going on with him right now because I thought he would be one of the first deals Houston signed because he they have his full bird rights it just makes sense if you if you're a team with limited flexibility to sign players you might as well bring that contract back you can use it for trades as you mentioned for Andre Iguodala you could use it uh as a good player he's a good player you might as well have him in the rotation i thought he would be one of Houston's priorities i'm surprised it's taken this long what's going on with him um well it's it's just a matter of you know looking at their options uh i talked with his agent last week and he just told me that 
they had several teams that were interested, but they're trying to see what the Rockets were going to do. Mm-hmm. And if Houston is still surveying the market, looking for deals, then it makes sense to hold off on that. You know, they've already locked up Austin, House, Green. Um, you still have your starting five. So I think Shumpert's, you know, sign doesn't become so much as, as a priority as much as people just want them to do something, you know? Well, the the reason I say that it's he's a priority is because you have his full bird rights. Like, it's only going to cost you money. It's not going to cost you an exception. It's pretty much only going to cost you luxury tax dollars. And if the Rockets truly do not care about money this season, which they've said multiple times that they're willing to pay luxury tax, Tillman Fertitta has come out and said that last year was a anomaly in that they really wanted to dodge the repeater tax for years to come, but they will they will be spending into the luxury tax this season. So you would you just figure that Iman Shemper would, would get locked up quickly, but it seems like the Rockets are taking their time and surveying the market, as you said. Uh, it's going to be interesting. He's he's someone to watch out for because if the Rockets lose out on him, that is a tough tough pill to swallow because you just you spent a first round pick for him and you pretty much only lost out on him for money and time and a lot of the money has dried up on the market so it, it looks like the Rockets can get a deal done if they really want to because a lot of teams have used up a lot of their money it's tough because he you would think he would be locked up by now yeah uh, it's one of those things where <clears throat> like I said they they took a risk but I guess they had some kind of insight that the money would be dried up pre-Kawhi and post-Kawhi and a lot of teams don't have any more money, so they still have that flexibility to get a deal done. They know who they want. It's just, can we come to an agreement with Memphis? You know, I think that's that's the biggest factor. So I think just stay patient if if the, if you're Houston. Um, they are going to find a deal somewhere on the market. Because um, there are a couple players out there. Even if you don't get an equal dollar, there are some other guys that can still help you. Yeah. So, I don't know. Just one of those things. You just have to wait, wait out and see. Yeah. Let's talk about what the Rockets missed out on. Uh, so, a lot of guys, this was a deep, deep class for mid level targets. Like, you're talking Garrett Temple, Jamichael Green, Marcus Morris. Like, guys like that were available. And you figured that the Rockets would try and target, target one of these guys. And I'm sure they did. I, it just seems like these guys chose deals somewhere else, and a lot of Rockets fans are pissed about it because, um, you know, you, you go you go through your Twitter timeline, you watch the Rockets lose out on these guys, and it can be frustrating. I get it. I still think their team is in prime position to contend, but it, I I think Rockets fans have a point in that they they watched all these guys, all these really good players come off the market, and they're gonna have to watch their team essentially run it back with perhaps one more addition. It, I I can understand where they're coming from. Yeah, but you know, what can you do? The Rockets didn't have cap flexibility that other teams did. We're seeing them other teams sign two year, three year deals. We didn't see a lot of one year deals for mm-hmm. the mid level guys. We saw two years, three years, and I think the Rockets couldn't compete with that. Their their selling point is, you know, contention, playing with great players, and playing for a good coach. Some of those guys just want to get paid. Yeah, yeah. Especially with 2020, we're not sure what the market will look like. It's not as deep as this was this year. Um, Even though teams will have more money, you you don't know what they're going to use that money on. So you have to – it's a waiting game. And I think the Rockets – understand if they work around the edges they still have a good enough team to contend you know you just need to get 
depth. And that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I feel like Rockets fans need to calm down. Like, they, they really need to calm down because this team is still really good. Like, after they added Iman Shepard and Daniel House, they won at, like, a 61 pace. And they, they, they were a strong, strong team to, to the point where, like, you finally got confidence in their defense again, which... For a while, like you just kind of gave up on the on the idea of their defense coming back to form, and they they pulled it together. They became a middle of the pack defense, and you figure if they go into this season with some more continuity, their defense would get even better. And I just I'm I'm kind of at the point where like, yes, they did miss out on some guys, and yes, there were some opportunities to improve, and yes, everybody got their hopes up with Jimmy Butler, but the team is still really good. Like the the Rockets didn't need to make wholesale changes. They needed to make changes. I, I I think I think at some point we need to realize that they they do need some some wing depth and they need someone long and rangy that you can play three or four positions. They don't have that yet, but you can you can find those guys if you wait a little bit. And that's kind of where the frustration lies. Like the Rockets have been a team that that have been really patient and they waited for buyouts to to come out mid season. And Rockets fans want the summer to be completed now and. I I, under, I understand that temptation, but this team has been have showed over the past few years that they're really good at finding these guys midseason if you give them the chance, if you wait on them. Yeah, I just think a lot of times fans jump the gun. They always want to see see you doing something, and if they feel like you're not you're not doing anything, then they get agitated. I just think the Rockets team, as is right now, is good. They just need internal changes, not external like wholesale thing like you said they just need to come together because everybody went their separate ways after the season you know these are all veterans if everyone comes back and is on the same page they ride back with it because if you think about it the only teams that have beaten them have been the worst in the playoffs since this run started yeah since the Chris Paul era started so you're just because the Clippers got you know two great players and like they still have to put it on the basketball floor, and the Rockets already have that continuity and that chemistry and the understanding that look, we're so close to where we want to go, we just need a little bit more oomph, and I think that comes with bringing the guys back, everybody being honest and open with each other and hashing out their differences. That's that's really what they need to do. Right. Yeah. And and I I, th- I think you know the Rockets have time to smooth over some relationships too. Right, they they have to some they have to smooth that relationship with Clint Capella. They have to smooth over that relationship with Chris Paul and James Harden, and I think they'll be fine over the long term. Um, let's talk about where they stacked in the new and improved Western Conference. So the Clippers added Kawhi and Paul George. The Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. The Jazz traded for Mike Conley, added Ed Davis and Bojan Bogdanovich. The Nuggets traded for Jeremy Grant, who's a sneaky pickup of their own, and that young core is only going to get better. Uh, the Rockets are one of the few teams that kind of stood pat this summer. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I wouldn't say it's a, it's neutral. I wouldn't say it's a good or bad. They, they, they didn't lose any key contributors, so that's always good. Um, and you never know how all the guys will shape up. So all those teams, Denver, Oklahoma City, you know, the Los Angeles teams, you know, they had a great offseason, you can say that. But Houston already had a great team before that. So those teams, you know, the Utahs, they'll go for it in the regular season. Like they'll push for that one seed, two seed. You know, I right now I think Houston would be like the third seed in terms of you know, interesting because you have to figure the Clippers and Jazz will really go for it in the regular season. The Rockets might they might not do so. They might focus on long term health, 
keeping guys fresh, stuff like that. Um, I know I was talking to somebody close to uh, Tucker, and what the the stance was that he would like to play was 29 minutes, something like that, to be fresh um, for the playoffs. And that's what he was playing two years ago. Mm-hmm. And kind of wants to go back to that. He kind of played a lot last season. Yeah, uh, that kind of takes a toll on your body, especially at that age, thirty-four. Mm-hmm. So I think the Rockets will value longevity, and as long as they get a top what three seed, top four, it should be good. Right. Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I think they're going to be a second or a third seed too, and I think that um, they they still have a large need at backup center. And I thought Isaiah Hardenstein was a pretty good candidate to fill that spot. Actually, like I was one of the few people who thought, you know, Isaiah Hardenstein. I, I believe in this guy. I think he's good enough to be to take that backup role at this point. And it's really unfortunate that he went down with the ankle injury. What, what's going on with that ankle? Do you, do you think he? It's a long term injury. Do you think it's like a sprain? You'll be out for two or three weeks. What's going on with that ankle? Um, I think he should be good to go by training camp. I, I texted him um, after the game. Right. Just keeping his his head up. Um, he seems to be in good spirits. I just think um, they should they shouldn't put anything on it. Just don't even rush it. Training camp is what September, so you got time. Yeah, so he'd be he'd be, he'd be all right. Right. Um, let's let's put a grade on this. Good summer, bad summer, A minus, B minus, C minus. What do you, what's the grade? I'll give them. I know I know Daryl Morey hates to put grades. I asked him this same question last summer to give a grade, and he. He didn't want to do that, um, but I would give them right now a B plus. Right. Um, you 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 kept the core together. Um, you still haven't added, you know, the quality depth that you would want to add. So I can't give them an A. But I mean, you didn't lose anybody substantial, so it, you still give them a solid B plus. Yeah, I'm gonna give them a tentative B too. Um, they still have some things to clean up. They have to figure out that backup center position. And you figure they're going to try to make a trade here for a wing of some sort. Even if they don't, you figure they're going to bring back Shumpert. And if that's the case, I like their roster. I think I think they're in a good spot. Uh, much better summer than last year. Uh, last year, they took a lot of gambles. Marquise Chris, Carmelo Anthony, Brandon Knight, MCW. They took a lot of risks. This time, they took a lot of safe bets on guys they already know they already had in their system. Daniel House, Austin Rivers, Gerald Green. And I like the, I like the value of their deals. They're short-term deals. They're good deals. They're not absorbent and they're pretty tradable if you really need to trade them and i i think i think they did fine i think they came out okay uh not not the best summer but a definitely definitely a better summer than what you had last year and they're definitely in a better position going into training camp than they were last year yeah yeah uh so that's it subscribe to the podcast on itunes google play stitcher and spotify subscribe to the athletic yep. Fo- follow kelly Ico on twitter Kelly eco sorry Kelly, Kelly Eco, yeah, NBA on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, it was a slip up. It was a slip up. <laughs> it happens sometimes. Uh, and yeah, guys, good night. For the ones who know that a little late is always too late, and that the clock doesn't stop just because you're missing a part, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, and our Keep Stock Inventory Management solutions help ensure you have the right stuff in the right place at exactly the right time. Visit Granger.com/slash Keep Stock to learn more. Granger for the ones who get it done.